The aviation industry is seeing more and more people transitioning into second careers as pilots, controllers, mechanics, and even content creators. So where did they come from? What were they doing before? What made them realize and chase their dreams? We find that out right here on Fly the Transition. Welcome to episode number seven of Fly the Transition, where we explore the journey of those making the leap into a new career in aviation. I'm your host, Jim Schilling. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to join me. On this episode, we chat with Alyssa, who you may recognize as Fly Alyssa from her social media presence. She talks to us about how she moved from a career as a successful hairstylist and salon owner to making quite the name for herself on the aviation scene as a content creator, podcaster, and now commercial aviator. We hear her story right here on Fly the Transition. So as I kick off this episode, I'm fresh back from a vacation with my family out to Washington, D.C. I had a really great time visiting our nation's capital and seeing a lot of the history that is in that city. Hey, political views aside, it really is a fascinating place when you think of all the history that's there, uh, some of the historical places that you see in movies and TV, and it was just a really cool place for me to visit, and it's been on my bucket list for a while. And in the true spirit of aviation, one of my real highlights was the Air and Space Museum. Unfortunately, half of it was closed for renovation, but we still got to see some pretty great stuff. Some of the historical items they have on display there are really awe-inspiring. The Wright Flyer, Spirit of St. Louis, and there's a lot of pieces from the early days of space exploration. It really was incredible, and I really enjoyed this trip. So when I got back home, it was right back to work on the podcast. And the first order of business was my interview with Alyssa. So when I had heard that she was making the leap from owning her own hair salon to a full-time career in aviation, I was really hoping I'd be able to tell her story. I was humbled when I contacted her, and she agreed to come on the podcast. Alyssa really enjoys taking the opportunity to share her story with others and hopefully inspire them to keep looking for the skies as well. Alyssa's exposure to aviation didn't begin early in life. She was on a trip to the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri and took a helicopter tour. This tour gave her a new perspective of the world from the sky above. And like many, she was hooked. So how did this flight start her journey of aviation? So it goes back to the first time I ever took a helicopter tour. It was over the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. And I saw $25 for a helicopter flight, which we all know that's not true once you get there. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit more expensive than that. But yep. $25, essentially, you get a hover and then a land probably. But yeah. um, I was like, I really wanted to do it with my significant other at the time. And so I was like, let's go see this. So I we took off and we did like a damn tour around um, like the Ozarks. And there's this huge lake. And I said, well, what is all of this? And the, the pilot was like, well, that's the Lake of the Ozarks. And I, kind of a dumb blonde moment, I was like, wow, I've never seen this perspective in my life. I grew up pretty uh, poor, I guess I could say, um, or not financially uh, wealthy. And so never had those opportunities. And when I saw perspective in a different way, I was just hooked at that point. Um, and then I, of course, looked at the helicopter flight school and it was very expensive. Uh -huh. um, and, and this was probably 15 years ago now. So I, I, I learned I couldn't afford it at the time. So then fast forward about 10 years, I wrote on a dreams list that I wanted to become a pilot. A family friend of mine was doing lessons in a little Cessna 150. And I said, hey, does your flight school have helicopters? And he's like, uh, no. You know, and he was very confused at that. And so I was like, well, I'd love to learn how to fly, but I really wanted to learn helicopters. And so he took me flying on a Friday just to kind of show me what it was like to fly in a Cessna 150. It's very tight for two people. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, so you get to know each other very well. Um, yeah. We flew to lunch. We landed at a little airport that had a cafe and we sat at a communal table with about 10 other pilots. And they were all ages and they encouraged me to start flying. And so that was a Friday and I started lessons on a Monday. So. Oh, wow. That's Just it. right into it. Yeah. I had zero uh, 
aviation growing up. Uh, I still am at air shows and people will be like, oh, the B-25 is coming in. And I was like, and which one is that? <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah, I've learned over the last five years, but definitely um, learning curve when you didn't grow up in it. So I grew up, didn't know people flew airplanes for fun. It was 2017 when I started flying uh, after that Cessna 150 flight. And I went to my first air show with Sun and Fun in 2018, a year later. Um, and at that point, I only knew probably two or three pilots and started kind of doing Instagram just to like see what other people in aviation were doing. So yeah. at that point, I, I didn't really know anybody. And I go to the air show. I had no idea that, you know, aerobatics were a thing. Camped out, did the whole thing and fell in love with it. Camping. Our neighbors were super friendly. I'm still friends with the people that we camp next to. Oh, really? Um, you know, that happened. I met uh, Dion Mitten, um, seaplane pilot. He lives in South Africa. He's kind of who got me started in the social media stuff and kind of sharing my story. He's like, it's just rare that, you know, you've never been exposed to aviation and here you are switching careers. Yeah. <laughs> So. Right, right. After finding aviation, she fell in love with flying and the community. But initially, it wasn't about changing careers. She had established herself in a successful career, and aviation was just a fun hobby. She flew for fun and gained additional experience before she decided to push through to her other ratings. At that point, I just thought it was really cool to see a different perspective. Again, I only yeah. knew a couple of pilots, and they just flew for fun at that point. And so I really was like, you know what? I have a career. Um, at that point, I mean, I've, I've done hair for 15 years this May, and I've owned my own salon for about five years now. And so I, I've already established my career. So I was like, well, I just want to do it for fun. I had the means to do so. And I did my license. I did my pilot certificate in about five months. I just was like hooked. It's it's like cocaine for pilots, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Training is so much fun yep. to me. And so I just like couldn't stop. And yeah. So it, it was it was really my DPE at the end of my PPL that he said, so what's next? And I said, what do you mean what's next? I'm a pilot. And <laughs> I kind of giggled and he's like, no, but really. <laughs> and that kind of kind of started to make sense to me. But at the same time, I just, I wanted to fly for fun for a while. And a lot of my pilot friends had kind of said, yeah, you need to get out of the pattern and start flying for fun yep. and getting experience. Cause I learned it at untowered airport. So, you know, it was very scary to me to go to towered airports and that was something I wasn't comfortable with. So the more and more I flew different types of airplanes over the years, it's made me more comfortable. And then um, then it wasn't until about a year ago that I did my instrument and my commercial and pushed it through because I'm like, you know, what am I waiting for at this point? Yeah. Funny story, uh, doing my multi recently, uh, just finished that. I'm flying a Caravan Cessna 208 for work right now. And most of what we're doing is flying in Class Bravo airspace. So we're talking uh -huh. to ATC, we're coordinating with them, and I have just constantly talking to them and so that's comfortable to me now when I went and did my multi I was at an untowered airport and I'm, I'm used to being the friendly person on the radio and trying to uh -huh. sweet talk ATC into getting in where we need to for our photo missions so I, I key up the radio at an untowered airport at Augusta Kansas and I said good morning Augusta <laughs> 4203 Lima, you know, taxing Alpha Bravo, going to be a northbound transition, you know, like I just start like spitting off, you know, and I'm like, good morning. Yeah. And and so uh, all of the people that were there training at the time kind of had a giggle about it. And so every every day I had to say good morning or good afternoon, Augusta. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it's funny. just it's just what you're comfortable with. And you know, going back to untowered after I've been in so much airspace lately, it was, you know, a little bit stressful. So yeah, even even five years later. <laughs> so where was Alyssa before she found aviation? She had always been artistic and loved people. 
she went into cosmetology. Being a social person, she loved hearing stories from others and built her clientele over the years. Around the same time she started her private pilot's license, she bought her salon. As she started flying more and traveling, it became hard to leave the salon. So I, I went to college um, straight out of high school. I wanted to play volleyball. Um, that was really all I cared about. I took some business courses. I didn't really love it. And so I ended up you know, moving back home after a year and going to cosmetology school because I knew my mom wasn't going to let me just sit around the house. So I went to cosmetology. I'm like, you know, I'm artistic. I love people. So I kind of found something that I was good at. And so I I started as a cosmetologist in Jacksonville, Illinois. And, you know, I just slowly started building my clientele over the years. Um, you know, moved salons a couple times, but um, stayed with a partner of mine. Um, she and I are partners in our own salon now. Uh, we bought that. At the same time I was doing my... Uh, pilot license. I was buying a salon, which was interesting. Um, But, you know, it doing hair and connecting with people really kind of changed my life in a way that I never expected. Um, You know, I'm just a very social person because of that and love to talk to people and hear their stories. And, um, you know, I became very successful in my business and love doing hair. But at the same time, um, I started realizing as I'm getting older that, um, you know, I'm, I'm really busy and I could be in the salon 12 hours a day, but my body doesn't want to be standing 12 hours a day. Oh, sure. I also am very attached to the salon. So you don't make money if you're not physically there. And Uh so I started flying more and meeting people all over the world. So I wanted to travel more and see more of the world. So it was kind of hard to balance this back and forth. Um, so I started to feel kind of stuck. So, um, but yeah, um, doing hair has blessed my life in so many ways. And I'm pleased to say that at the end of this month, I'm actually leaving the salon. So a <laughs> little crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. Well, congratulations on that because I know that it's one step forward, but I I suppose it's probably bittersweet at the same time. Yeah, it's very bittersweet. It's, um, you know, you grow relationships with people over 15 years, even if they're your client for one or five or 12. Um, I've got clients from the very beginning and they're, they're my best friends, my family, you know, they are who I see when I'm home now because I'm either on the road or in the salon. So there's not really an in-between for me. And yeah, so it's, it's really bittersweet. And the income is great, but it's it's more about the people. And I think that's why I've held on so long. As with any job, it came with some challenges. But it also helped her develop some skills that would later be useful as she transitioned to aviation. Some of the challenges were managing people, as well as planning for the future of the business. But she also gained experience in communication, networking, and putting herself out there. Those skills would later allow her to build her social media presence, which ultimately landed her her current job in aviation. I would say that, you know, the hardest part of being self-employed and having, you know, the salon and the business was just, you know, planning for your future and making enough to set back, which I didn't do very well at, at that point. And, you know, running your own business, you know, maybe you have people working for you, maybe you don't, but you know, managing other people isn't really uh, in my skill set. I, I, I'd like to think that people do their best and put their best foot forward, but that's not always the case. Um, so, I mean, those were a little bit of the struggles, but I think the good things outweighed. Um, now, you know, I look back and think, man, I should have started my retirement way sooner. Uh, I'll be 35 this year. So, it's, um, you know, it creeps up on you. So, uh-huh. so now it's just, you know, I, I starting to see those things kind of appear and I was like, wow, you know, I'm glad I'm making the change now, but, uh, being self-employed is not always that great, even though you have the flexibility. And so what are those skills has like translated well in your training process to transition into aviation? Uh, I think communication definitely has been good. Um, 
I think the best thing that's came out of my change from cosmetology to to aviation is probably networking and putting myself out there. Um, the job that I'm currently in, I received because of social media. My my boss currently um, saw some posts that I was making and influencing other people and trying to, you know, get more women involved in aviation. And he really thought that was cool. And so we connected about six months or so before I got my commercial license. But, you know, networking is crucial in aviation, especially at the lower levels and corporate levels. Um, it's all in who you know and who you can make relationships or friendships with. And so that's worked out really well. Communication-wise, um, being able to be in a dynamic environment with ATC, working with other pilots, you get a lot of pilots that are different um, backgrounds, different mindsets. Um, we're all a little bit type A, I think, <laughs> and a little bit of control freaks. <laughs> But um, I find myself guilty of that, too, sometimes. So um, I think communicating is is probably the best thing that came from that. As Alyssa became more and more immersed in aviation, it led to the ultimate question of when she would make the jump into a full-time career in aviation. She didn't get into the social media side to make money or be an influencer. She originally just wanted to show the world aviation, and it was attainable for everyone. But eventually, working at the salon and going back and forth between that and events began to tear at her. And it was an interview with a local newspaper that provided her a defining moment. So I did my training at just a small airport with a single instructor. There was no school. There was no flight, anything program. One instructor, that's all you get. So after that, it was like, you know, I'm going to go out and fly for some fun. Well, then kind of moving forward, I was just having fun flying airplanes. I fell in love with the steermen. I wanted to fly seaplanes. I wanted to fly anything I could get my hands on. And I think, um, you know, I kind of went through all of those motions. But then, you know, fast forward four years and social media kind of took off, which I didn't expect. It's not, I'm not in it to be an influencer. I'm not in it to make money. I'm not making YouTube videos. Um, but I wanted to show the world that this is attainable for anybody. And so I started doing some more of that. Well, then everybody started questioning, like, well, when are you going to make the jump or when are you going to change? Well, I hadn't really considered it. Uh, and then I got into this mode where I was working in the salon 12 hours a day for a week. And then I'd be gone for a week to sun and fun. And then I'd come home and slam in another week of work. And then I'd be gone to a stole competition. And so I was back and forth so much that it was like kind of tearing at me. And I did an interview actually for my local newspaper. This was like the defining moment. And he says, I won't post this, but he's like, do you ever, do you ever feel like you have like a split personality or a <laughs> split life? And I almost got like teary eyed because I was, I was like, well, that's exactly how I feel. Are you my therapist? You know? Um, <laughs> so I started thinking more about that and started like kind of journaling some things because I do, I feel like I have a home life that is very salon focused and taking care of my clients and being there. And then I had this life of traveling the world, flying airplanes and meeting people everywhere. But the two never really came together because I don't I don't have aviation friends in my backyard. I don't have um, a weekend warrior crew, you know, like I don't have that at home. So um, I just lived, I made enough money to be able to go on the next adventure. So I think that's when I started to feel torn at that point after doing that interview, I was like, OK, I've got to do something. The way in which Alyssa moved through her different ratings provided her many different training environments as well. As she describes, she ended up hitting most of the different types of training environments you may find yourself in. 
from commuting from her home airport to a instructor for her commercial rating to a condensed 16-day course for her instrument rating, even a live-in school for her multi-engine. But then everybody says how hard instrument training is. And, <laughs> you know, I feel like it's kind of the opposite. Like, you kind of want to pull your hair out sometimes. But at the same time, instrument was so much fun for me. I did it in 16 days, start to finish. No kidding. Yeah, I was like, I'm all you. in. I'm all yeah. in. Let's do this. Because... If, if I didn't, I'd be in the salon working and then I'd have to go do this yeah. and I'd do this event. And I was just, you know, like a ping pong ball flying all over the place. And so for me, training is easiest when I'm 100% focused. I don't have to work. I don't have to do anything else. And I can just train. So that's what I did. And, you know, and, and then it was like, okay, how do I get my commercial? You know, and, but... I think training is the best part of aviation. It's stressful at the time, but you missed it afterwards. And kind of in the, almost in that space of like, all right, well, now what? Like when right. you're done with the rating. Well, Cause it, they, it's almost like it gives you purpose for a little bit. <laughs> yes. And it makes you working, you're working towards a goal. Yeah. And then you attain that goal, but then your brain tells you what's next. And I've also found that all of my friends in aviation ask what's next but my friends back home don't ask what's next they just think that i'm this cool pilot right right but, right but in aviation we're trained to what's the next step and the next step and i feel like that eats at me sometimes because i'm like i just want to celebrate where i'm at and i want to be yeah. happy because yeah it's i mean even at 750 hours i'm working as a commercial pilot but yet i still don't feel successful or I don't feel accomplished because there's people out there flying jets and they're flying the airlines and they're flying cargo and you know all of these things but it's I think we need to take a step and enjoy where we're at commercial um you know everybody said it was probably the easiest you'll do but I found that it wasn't a struggle for me but five years apart from your private to your commercial Mm -hmm. is a little different because you not to say that you forget but you kind of forget some of the little yeah. things that just you know four flight tells you now <laughs> right right it's kind of the little things that i was like just drawing a blank on you know the things that you should always just have in the back of your head and so instrument is very a plus b equals c and here you arrive at the airport commercial was you know, just different in a way that you you had to precisely fly these maneuvers. And I wasn't able to just take a week off, take an airplane and go train. Where I lived is 45 minutes from the airport of the airplanes I flew. So I had to drive 45 minutes. I had to fly another 45 minutes to get to an instructor. And then I had oh. to train for two hours, do ground for an hour. And then I would fly 45 minutes home and then drive 45 minutes home. So about six hours a day for training. Not everybody can do six hours to do two yeah. hours of flying. Well, three three hours of flying if you include my transit. But and then it gets pricey. And uh -huh. you know, so I was kind of balancing like making enough money to not put myself in more debt, but getting it done fast enough where I wasn't dragging and then losing those skills. Yeah. And you know, so that it, it was a little more complicated, but I did go to a flight school in St. Louis for that. And they were really great. But then again, it was, you know, a new instructor. The instructor that I had for my commercial had never land, landed on a grass strip. So we were doing all these different takeoffs and things. And I was like, well, we're going to go over to the grass field and do that. And he's like, well, I've never done that. And I was like, well, let's, we are going to today. Let's go. Well, let's do it today. <laughs> and, you know, he had less hours than I did as a CFI. He had not a lot of experience outside of being a CFI and training at the same airport since day one. And he had never flown a Piper low wing. So I was trying to teach him how to teach me. And it was fine. It just felt a little silly at the time, you know, kind of getting started yeah. with a new instructor. 
it ended up being a really great instructor and we had fun with it. He, he, he knew when I was very frustrated. He's like, do you need a snack? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. But I mean, there's so many different flight schools or opportunities to train, you know, from being at an airport with a singular instructor to, I flew across the United States to Vegas to do my instrument with an instructor and then, you know, commercial I did out of flight school. My multi-engine I just did was really awesome. Um, a company in Augusta, Kansas. You can stay on the field, flight train, okay. morning to night. You can do everything right there. Your your housing was upstairs. Your classrooms were downstairs. You walk out on the ramp and you start the plane. So that was probably the best experience just because you just live, eat, sleep, breathe. And you had other pilots there to kind of share that experience with. So all those different types of training you've done, was there one that you liked the best or least, or they all have their pros and cons, I suppose? They all have their pros and cons. It's really what your schedule works well with or your budget. Um, Sometimes these condensed courses are too much for people, but I find that if I study beforehand and do my written and then go into the flight portion of it, like my instrument and do a two week program, it's a lot easier for me to just process everything and keep it in my brain and not, you know, have other life things going on in the background um, that distract you. And then you're like, well, I don't yeah. have enough money this week to go flight train. And so you push it back another week. So I, I really liked to just save my money and go knock it out. Staying at the airport also was, you know, I did my multi in three or four days. So that was really nice just to be super focused. Um, They might cost a little bit more. At the same time, it might cost you less because you're not dragging it out and forgetting things and proficiency kind of going down. Mm -hmm. Alyssa's social media presence has been a big part of her journey in aviation but it's something she wants to stay humble about and never take for granted. It originally started simple enough of just wanting to be proud of herself and expanded into sharing photos of herself and her trips. But the more she posted, the more her network grew and provided her opportunities to meet other aviators. In the beginning, I just was so proud of myself for doing something outside of what I would consider the white picket fence at home. Um, I didn't know anybody that was flying. I thought it was really cool. And, you know, as an adult, you don't have a lot of things that you're really proud of yourself for doing outside of a job or a career, you know. So I I thought that flying was something that made me super proud of myself. So then I started posting these pictures of, you know, I completed my license, you know, here it is. So then, you know, just sharing trips that I went on and pictures of airplanes and, you know, it just started to kind of grow. And I think I was probably, I mean, in the very early stages, I was at Oshkosh 2018 and I had maybe 1500 and I was like, Ooh, I'm so popular. (laughs) I thought I, I thought I was just really cool, you know, and I just loved it so much. And Dion Mitten was someone who I had followed and thought did really cool content and really cool pictures. And he was flying seaplanes in Alaska and, and um, in the Bahamas and just really cool places. So I was just interested in that. And he's like, well, you should be telling your story and you should really put yourself out there and get more women involved. And, and I was like, nobody cares about me or my story. And, you know, I think it's silly. And, you know, so I just started kind of slowly getting more involved with the 99s and you know, more women in aviation things and just started volunteering more. And, you know, the more I started posting, the more that kind of grew and the more you networked with other people. And then then I, I feel like the next year, I mean, from 2018 to 2019, my life was like a complete social media shift of... I, I went to an air show in 2019 and I was working with Hooker Harness, um, working at air shows and stuff for them. And we walked up to Kirby Chambliss and 
I was just in awe that I was meeting this amazing pilot, you know, at, at an air show. And I had just booked a ticket to go see um, Red Bull had just announced they were canceling the air races. So I had never seen it. So I was like, I've got to go. I had met somebody from Oshkosh the year before. So I crashed his house in Austria. We went to Budapest <laughs> for the air races. Kirby Chambliss, we ran into him. Scott, that owns Hooker Harness, asked Kirby if he was racing. And he's like, oh, of course. And he's like, well, she's going to be there. So she'll be cheering you on. And he offered me VIP tickets because his family wasn't going. And so oh, wow. it's just the right place at the right time and volunteering for organizations and working for companies inside of aviation like Hooker Harness. They have all these unique connections to people. And it's not about walking up to everybody you know and just saying, hey, my name's Alyssa. This is what I'm doing. And it's just being friendly and being in the right place at the right time sometimes. And I'm super fortunate. Sometimes I find myself looking at Instagram thinking, wow, these girls are beautiful. and Or the men too are beautiful. But <laughs> <laughs> these people are doing really cool things with airplanes or they get these amazing opportunities to fly P-51s and all <laughs> this cool stuff. And then I like have to kind of humble myself and I'm like, Alyssa, most people are looking at you thinking the exact same thing, but I don't see it as that. I just see it as like, I've made these friendships and I get to do these really cool things, but I, I never want to take that for granted. And you know, it's, I have to bring myself in sometimes and be like, you know, everybody else deserves to have this fun too. So you have to understand that I grew up in a town of 1500 people. I was not the popular girl. I was not the pretty girl. I was not the anything, you know, and I, I think I still struggle with, and I think everybody struggles with feeling like they're enough. And I'm like, I don't understand why I feel this way. I'm very fortunate to have gotten these opportunities and but I, you just meet so many cool unique people and i'm so envious of these people that have had aviation in their lives since they were children and uh -huh. you know it's i think that's great and that's why you know having the podcasts out there and what you're doing is so important because you're telling people stories that they are just average people and doing things that are so attainable it's just you got to put yourself in the position to be open to those things. You know, these opportunities are out there. You just have to find them. There's a couple of years that I went to every air show, every event I could find the money to scrounge up to go. And I would take my tent or I would crash with other friends. And then you just meet so many people and yeah. so many friends. And it's just really neat to kind of have that network of people behind you in aviation. It's kind of this weird, small community that's so large as well. And uh -huh. just, to, just to be in it, I'm. It, it's awesome. One of Alyssa's other accomplishments is being the co-host of Cockpits and Cocktails for two years. This podcast afforded her the opportunity to share the stories of women in aviation while being inspired herself along the way. Cockpits and Cocktails originally started, um, Natalie did a series of videos called Cockpits and Cocktails that she kind of flew around and interviewed, like, I think she did 10 interviews with different pilots at like FBOs. And I was, she was in St. Louis. And so we did a little bubbly and stuff in the, in the FBO. And so we did a pod, we did that together. Then we decided to start a podcast and start interviewing and telling women's stories and how they got involved in aviation and what they were doing. And um, just to make it more open about how we get to these places. Mm -hmm. And so we did it for about two years, or I guess I did it for about two years. And right about the same time I was doing like my instrument and commercial, I just felt um, kind of the pull of like, I have 17 things pulling me different ways. And it really yeah. just wasn't working for me anymore. Um, so a couple other women stepped in and kind of helped her with the podcast. And it's still going strong. And I'm really happy for them. 
having these types of podcasts are so valuable. And I learned so much um, from stories of women in the military, Heather uh-huh. Penny, who was 9-11, you know, yeah. deployed to take down a flight, you know, on 9-11 to, um, you know, the story of Erin Miller and her grandmother, who was a wasp. And I didn't even know who the wasp were <laughs> until the podcast. And, you know, not having that aviation background for me, I, I just had no idea. And so yeah. it was really a learning experience for me over those two years and getting to know other women. And I think for women in aviation, I don't think it's really harder, but I feel like it's harder to make these connections and have the same feelings. So it's really nice to see other women in those positions. And Uh so it was very inspiring for me for those couple years just to be able to be in the presence of those uh, influential women in aviation. Scheduling was just becoming harder and harder. As you know, it's it's hard to get everybody pinpointed down because yeah. you're running every which way. And you know, when I'm when I'm at work, it's easier for me to do it in the evening, and somebody might be easier for the daytime. So it's I just couldn't do any more on my plate. But I'm yeah. really happy for them and what they're doing. And I think that definitely has to continue. Alyssa's journey in aviation has given her a lot of insight into different paths in aviation. Because of her presence, she's often asked about how and where to get started. The network that she's gained along the way allows her to guide people in the right direction. For me, doing the podcast, I didn't know military aviation in that path. I didn't know. Uh I still don't know all of the paths to get to where you want to go. If you want to go cargo or airlines or all of these things. And so many people reach out on social media asking, where should I start or how do I start? And most of the time, I try to guide them to someone who's in that realm of aviation, because whether it it could even be maintenance or flight attendant or uh, corporate pilot or cargo. And and I don't know all of those options and I don't want to mislead anyone. So I just I think make having a network of people that, you know, is the easiest way to just be like, hey, I'm going to send you over to Aubrey or I'm going to send you over to mm-hmm. this person. I, I I don't know how many times I've had people that are like, oh, well, I can't be a pilot because I'm not 2020 vision. And I was like, well, I don't have 2020. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I wear contacts or, you know, whatever. And so, you know, there's there's so many loopholes and different things that you can do to get involved in aviation. So I think for sure. Yeah. Just the more, you know, the better. Alyssa would eventually find herself in a role in commercial aviation, now flying for a commercial real estate company. She explains more about what her role is with the company and how she got there. So currently I'm flying the Caravan, the Cessna 208. Um, The company that I'm flying for, we do commercial real estate data. So kind of like a Zillow for commercial real estate. So we go into the top 65 markets Uh, for real estate and we take pictures. We have two pilots and a camera operator in the back. And uh, we mainly do two pilots. The caravan is not a dual pilot. It's a single pilot operation. But because of what we're doing, um, our pilot in the left seat is, you know, orbiting our what what we need to get the shot of. And I'm on the right seat looking outside, talking to ATC, coordinating everything, and making sure we're outside of whatever airspace we need to be. So um, it's very fast-paced uh, some days and very slow other days. But um, all in all, it's really a great start. Um, you know, I I believe they start at 500 hours commercial. And, you know, it's a turbine, so that's helpful for time building. Sure. And, you know, it's it's... Not as fast as I wanted to get hours, but I think that's everybody in aviation. You know, it's, you know, do you trade money for time or how how you kind of balance how you get your hours? So, but I'm yeah. I'm really loving it. And the company that I work for is very, very good to the pilots. I was at MBAA, um, Business Aviation Conference in Vegas, and I was talking to some friends that do sales for Jet Aviva. And I was 
touring the Phenom 300 because why not? And so I walked off of the Phenom and this gentleman says, oh my gosh, you're Fly Alyssa. And I immediately like go red because as much as I am social and outgoing, it's also kind of embarrassing for me um, because I don't know like how to take people into like start a conversation. And then I never want to be like this influencer cringy you know i i want to be inspiring but also not just be that sure so we we got to talking and and my boss flies warbirds and flies jets and manages a company and manages several companies you know airplanes and he does brokerage i initially when i got into aviation i thought if i was going to switch careers i wanted to do sales brokerage Uh, management because I thought that was attainable and I thought that was easier than actually being a pilot. I I guess I just doubted myself. So now I'm flying and I was like, well, why would I, why would I do that? You know, I mean, it might be a nice side gig one day, but unless I got to do demo, demo would be really fun to be a demo pilot (laughs) sales. Yeah. I think it would kind of mesh all of my personality and um, flying all together. But yeah, so I just met my boss that way. That was before I had my commercial and he's like, get it done, you know, and he's very supportive of women in aviation. And and so we just stayed in touch over the years and I got my commercial and the next day he said, give me a call. I have an opening. And I thought he was kind of joking, but uh, he set me up for an interview with the chief pilot. And right before I went to Oshkosh, I got the job last year and I found out at Oshkosh I was going to flight safety almost immediately. And so that wow. Im- that immediately threw me into like stress mode, um, uh-huh. trying to like prepare myself to get ready because I had never done that kind of an experience before. So now I'm excited to go back next year because your first time you're just nervous and don't know how it's really going to go. But really flight safety and CAE, they are there to help you. You get to fail everything in the airplane without actually dying. It's quite great, you know, and and having someone just there to walk you through everything was just really nice. So definitely highly recommend flight safety to anyone. Initially in her commercial pilot career, Alyssa was still juggling two jobs. So doing all this work while still owning the salon was a lot. And there was a fear there of failing or dropping the ball ultimately leading her to move on to commercial aviation full-time. So on top of training and finishing my ratings and going to flight safety and doing all of these events and outreach and volunteering and working full-time, two careers. So my my job now that I'm flying, um, we work 12 days on, eight days off. Day one and 12 are travel days to the plane because we fly commercially to the plane and we okay. fly for 10 days. So then on the 12th day, we fly home and then I would work those eight days to keep up with my clients. And then I'd be gone another 12 and then I'd work another eight days. So really, there's not a lot of downtime. A lot of people think that my life looks very luxurious and glamorous, but um, it's more, you know, I'm, I'm either on the road for work or I'm at home. Or I'm in an air show and I have to be on for all of these things. There's not a lot of downtime. So yeah. I'm looking forward to some rest. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's a lot of juggling. And I think I've felt the failure side of things. Like, you know, you're juggling all of these things, but at some point you're gonna drop the ball on one or the other, or yeah. you know, and 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 I'm human. <laughs> So that happens. And so I feel like for me to succeed in what I'm doing, I have to focus. And so I think this is the right move in the right direction. It's just been harder than I anticipated just because you're, it's like cutting off my arm to my other life. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's been interesting, but I'm excited for it. It's just trying to find balance every day. I want to go back to something Alyssa mentioned early in the episode. She talks about how in aviation, we're always asking, what's next? And ultimately, it's a question I had to ask. So I'm going to ask the dreaded aviation question. 
So what is next? You just had, you had to ask. I was going to ask. <laughs> you, you had to know it was coming when you brought it up earlier. You had to ask. <laughs> so, you know, I don't really know what's next. Um, I think where I'm at is a really good place. Um, I'm getting a lot of experience. Um, we don't fly IFR. We do if we're transiting to our next um, location, but I'm not getting a lot of that experience. So I'm actually going to do some more IFR training coming up just to get me proficient again. I mean, I'm current, but not proficient. And yeah. so, um, and also what I'm flying is all D1000, flight director. It's quite amazing. Mm -hmm. But what I found going to do my multi-engine and doing that, you had to fly single engine uh, approaches and this old travel air I was flying, everything was inoperative and it was not G1000. <laughs> and uh, I felt like I needed my crept back, you know? So yeah, I, I'm going to do some more of that. Um, you know, honestly, looking at jobs, I feel like there's just a lot of opportunities, but I think it's the fear of unknown and networking, I think, is where you're going to find your best opportunities. So I'm keeping that very open. I said I would never go to the airlines, but they look more glamorous every day. <laughs> just um with the opportunities and income um and longevity but at the same time if i find something that fits my lifestyle i would go and do that as well so i like the idea of cargo i'd like to have another stepping stone after the caravan before i jump to the airlines flying you know corporate or something more in along jets or something mm -hmm. um but we'll see I don't really have a set path. And I think that's the scary part, but also the good part. So what advice does Alyssa have for others who dream of a career in the skies? I think it's really looking at your lifestyle, how you want to live. You know, if, if you want to go corporate and travel the world um, with a family and be gone 17 days out of the month, but be in the Bahamas or be in Ireland or be in all these exotic, nice places. Or if you want to be at the airlines and be gone 10 days a month and not so great places, but then you get the rest of the month to do whatever you'd like. My advice to the change is just do what you love because at the end of the day, you know, not to be morbid, but we all die. And so why live your life just to make money and die? And you've got to enjoy it along the way. And one of the best advice that has been given to me recently, um, I have a friend who flies cargo in Alaska, and he said, don't worry about the next steps. He said, just take a job that you enjoy doing. And he's like, when you get to my position in flying cargo and He's like, it's just a job at that point. He's like, so that's why I have another airplane and I fly that for fun. But he's like, I miss getting to fly the caravan. I miss getting to have skydivers jump out. I miss the days of those time building um, jobs. And he's like, that's the most fun you'll ever have, you know, because once you've so-called made it, you're just flying point A to point B, dropping people or boxes off and then you're done. So the transition is hard, but very attainable if, you, if you're passionate about it. I think just making a list of the pros and cons or the reasons why you want to change careers and just kind of drawing out your, your happiness board, I guess, it, it's very valuable to me anyways, because making the change from being a hairstylist to become a pilot is very different, but I love each for different reasons. Uh -huh. And, you know, it, it was pretty hard to be honest, um, making the switch. I've been self-employed for 15 years. Now I have a boss and then I have a chief pilot and then I have uh -huh. a pilot in command that I'm flying with. So that dynamic of making my own decisions and, you know, doing what I want is not really there anymore. But I have the stability of a salary income. I have the stability of a paycheck coming in. And I know my schedule. 
I get the rest of the time off. I'm still getting paid. Um, I get to fly an airplane that I don't pay for. <laughs> it's quite great. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're training, you're just shelling out all of this money and it now, you know, we, we order fuel on somebody else's check and it's like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> so there's perks to everything in, in whatever career you're in. You just have to really look for them, hope that everybody shoots for the stars and follows their dreams because life is too short not to. Alyssa has kind of a fun journey into aviation. Going from really knowing nothing about aviation and taking one helicopter flight and gaining a whole new perspective of the world. And it's that perspective that I think draws so many of us into aviation, whether it be as a career or as a hobby. Once she got started, her social media presence became a powerful thing. It started off simple enough, a way to be proud of herself and to share her experience with others. And now it has provided her not only opportunities for herself, but has inspired countless others. And she's done that while volunteering for other organizations, such as Women in Aviation and the 99s, among others. She really has opened the world of aviation to many other people. She put a lot of work in along the way, not only being successful in aviation, but also in her business. But the biggest takeaway comes at the end. Do what you love. As Alyssa talked a little bit more about life, I was reminded of a quote by Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters. No one's getting out of here alive a lyric from the song DOA by the Foo Fighters. But it does come back to Alyssa's point. Life is short. Do what you love and enjoy the journey. So a huge thank you goes out to Alyssa for being on the podcast and sharing her story with all of us. I wish you nothing but the best in your new journey of commercial aviation. And if you haven't checked out her content, what are you waiting for? Jump on Instagram and go to at flyalyssa and follow along to see all of Alyssa's adventures and where she'll go next. And one quick plug before I go, if you enjoy the comedic stylings of one Brian Turner from Just Plain Silly, you will love the new app, Mitar AF. Brian has assured me that the AF stands for as filed and probably nothing inappropriate. It's a fun source to get your Mitars before your next flight and gives some fun commentary or hints for us more mediocre pilots. Why, just this afternoon, I looked up my home airport and was presented with flight category of VFR conditions, but the helpful note of the first responders are going to love being outside on this gorgeous day. Not sure what he's implying. At any rate, if you're looking for a little bit of humor next time you check your weather, go ahead and check out METAR AF. Available now on Android and Apple devices. So, if you like what I'm doing here on the Fly the Transition podcast, make sure you like and subscribe rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. If you have an idea for a future episode or you'd like me to share your story, you can reach out to me on any of my social media or you can contact me at flythetransition at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Fly the Transition. We'll see you next time.